Hey, what's up? You are listening to a brand new Chomping at the Bits. I'm Rich Meister. This month in video game history, we are, for the very first time, not a take two or possibly three, talking about PS1 classic Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Who am I joined by this month? Ray McGill, once again, this is definitely not, you know, the third time because I am inept with audio technology. Yeah, no, I mean, that's going to happen. You want to know something really funny? I just mentally did a take in my head of like, why does he sound so low now? And then I remembered that I just lowered your volume a bunch in my head. Oh, yeah, uh, I just did the same thing to you. So, yeah, it's sounding like we're talking to each other through the water. Yeah, it's it's a jarring change, but a, a necessary one in a lot of respects. Yeah, I'm just hoping this actually works properly. Yeah, you know, I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna be okay this time. Um, well, ever since you broke into my house and you set me up with this new microphone as opposed to the trash I was using before. You opened the fucking door, man. That's on you. I was well within my rights as a white landowning man. I didn't open the door. He's lying. <laughs> I don't he own broke any into land. my house. I don't own any land. Yo, that too. You don't own any land. <laughs> I just gave myself up there. You are not a Scottish lord. You are no. not going to win that Elden Ring contest. <laughs> is that what they call it? They're doing some sweepstakes, right? Is that a real thing? I don't know. Yeah, I, no, they're giving away Scottish land. They're making, I think they're calling them Elden Lords and Ladies. I don't even think Elden Ring is set in Scotland. I think it's set in some fictional place. It's Scottish adjacent. It's in Lord of the Rings times. <laughs> yes, ye old Elden times. Yeah, the El- the times of the Elden Ring. Yes, um, the oldest of rings. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about skateboarding. Skateboard? Um, Are we going to talk about Grind Session? The best game ever? Uh, we can talk about that a little bit for sure. I think it might come up. Too uh, extreme? But we are here to talk about one skateboarding game in particular. The Tony one Hawk 5. Read, no, not that. Not That's a bad one. What redefined uh, the skateboarding video game genre. That's right. September 29th, 1999 on the PlayStation 1, we got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Before we get into the nitty gritty of it, we'll start these episodes the way we always do. Ray, when did you first pick up the original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? What was your experience with it? Just My first experience with Tony Hawk was that demo disc that came with like Final Fantasy VIII, uh, some other stuff that was, I'm sure, expected to sell Ape very Escape. well. Ape Escape, yeah. That's actually like games. the baller demo disc. Uh, like yeah, what do you is... think of that time? It's like there's really good demo discs on the PS1 like all around, but that one is like almost nothing but fucking hits. Yeah, but the thing is about that one is it's a demo that you would play over and over again and in a way that like it was almost expected to it wasn't like the ff8 one where it's just like okay experience the scenario i see what they're doing i see how you know to be fair i played that like 20 times yeah i yes i played it multiple times too but i feel like the tony hawk demo was like encouraging it and especially since it was like it ended up being the first level of the game it was just the warehouse level over and over again so I knew that warehouse level pretty well, and it turns out that served my muscle memory well when I played the game again in anticipation of this first recording. Which is this one. Um, yes, this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, same same here. Like, that, that demo disc is the first experience for me, and exactly how you're talking about that first warehouse level. Knew it front to back, like, and even, you know, in preparation for this, cleared, like, every goal in one run, just purely off my brain remembering that game 
Yeah, straight off the dome. No, it's God, that that's like demo at its best. Yeah, yeah. Um demo in a way we don't kind of get. Do you remember that brief window um I want to say like at the dawn of the internet? age where we were like we're gonna get demos for everything now they're gonna be able to beam the demo straight to us and then they just didn't do that yeah and then you see like a little resurgence with some companies like whenever i think about good demos i think like bravely default and stuff like that yeah yeah but no uh, and it was important like i mean nowadays i feel like we see it more like multiplayer games it's like oh we're doing a stress test oh we're doing a technical alpha but it's less about selling you on the game and more about it, like testing the servers i think that's directly a result of no real need to like we have this whole internet hype machine that didn't exist in the days of like playstation magazine the demo discs were the hype machine the, the demo disc or like going down to funko land and playing at a kiosk yeah no instead now it's it's like oh we gave you know 30 minutes hand, hands on to you know hand job for 2069 on twitch and he's gonna hype you on this as well as i don't know a chair yeah sure that's pretty good i yeah we're all into that yeah it's like fine sell me on this chair and this game fine whatever it all i'm sucks not that now. concerned about I'm it old. Every, everything's shit <laughs> everything fucking sucks uh, this yeah, has a much that's different true. tenor than the first time we recorded this. Yeah, no, everything's garbage. That's the new uh, mode we're thinking of. But uh, before we delve deeper into the game itself, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, skateboard video games were not a new thing. Um, Tony they definitely Hawk- were not. It was definitely not like a something to hype up or celebrate, though. No, but you still had, like, in, in 86, you had 720, um, Skate or Die came out in 87, like, to me, those are the games that really feel like, uh, kind of the predecessor to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and yes. then Skate or Die with those important actual skateboarding events, like Joust. Yeah, everybody remembers, uh, you know what's funny is we laugh at that stuff now, but as someone who did a lot of skateboarding in middle school and high school, we used to do shit like that on skateboards. You'd get the giant foam rubber Q-tips as featured on American Gladiators and go at each other. What we would actually do is buy pool noodles and duct tape them to make them like way more rigid. This sounds safe. It wasn't. We also later in life did that with cars, but that's a different... <laughs> that's different altogether that's a whole different can of worms yeah we should have been in jail records um yeah but uh so you have those games in the early 80s like extreme sports games were already kind of a thing um activision who is the one who published the tony hawk series um joint with never a fine upstanding company yes activision a company you've never heard a bad thing about um they tend to point to things like top skater and street skater which were a lot more poignant at the time, I would say. Um, Top Skater in particular, the Neversoft team, uh, there's there's stories I'd read in a few spots about the Neversoft team working next to a bowling alley at the time Tony Hawk 1 was being developed, and on their lunch breaks, they would go down to play the Top Skater machine, with their main goal being like capturing the feel of Top Skater in Pro Skater and making it even better. Hey, so I would have played a lot of Top Skater at a Dave & Buster's. I could say that that was a very 
kinetic experience and it was definitely something that i could see as influencing a feel because as not realistic as it is i mean the courses were clearly not realistic um you know there was you know the music feel wasn't really there because it's an arcade machine but just that physical board and how like it felt like when like it popped like you know there's no wheels on it but it definitely felt smooth and you felt like you were accomplishing something physical. So I get why they would almost base the feel on something like that. And that was definitely uh, something you'd see even more of when things like Tony Hawk's ride and Tony Hawk's shred came later. Um, some of that stuff missed the boat, but I think they were more chasing like the, the gimmick of like a top skater at that point. They're chasing that top skater dragon. That is a, a saying that people say all too often these days. Yeah, chasing I'm sure that, that top exists skater dragon everywhere else. It's one of those things that it's I universal regret that I coined. It's universal. Everybody feels yeah. this way. Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the actual gameplay of Pro Skater then, just to kind of guide this in the right direction. So um, we'll start with single player stuff in. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the original single-player modes you have are career mode, single session, and free skate. All of them sort of just work around the same goal, which is you're choosing a level, you're dropping in for a two-minute run, and you're trying to accomplish a number of goals, which are things like collect the letters and skate, get a high score, a pro score, and a six score, find the secret tape, and then beyond that, every level will have different goals, like, you know, hitting certain gaps or breaking a bunch of boxes or like the in school, one of the levels you have to wall ride on uh, bells, like a stuff, like stuff that encourages you to drop in quickly. And like you said earlier, that demo is infinitely replayable because you're just running that first warehouse level again and again and getting better at it and finding all the secrets and just getting faster and faster. Oh, by the time the actual game came out, I think we were all experts at that warehouse level and also, that wall riding, the five bells thing, that was a Tony Hawk 2 goal. That's the school 2, motherfucker. You're conflating it with grinding five lunch tables. Oh, God, you're right. You're right. The bells yeah. are in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Yeah, and that is infinitely more infuriating because wall riding, I feel like, is one of those things they never got to feel intuitive. It's less about the actual action of wall riding feeling intuitive and doing it in awkward spots sucks. No, I just felt like I always missed the damn bells. Oh, no, I didn't have much of a problem there. It was uh, more of getting to the ones that are basically on the roof, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, so yeah, the goals, they were pretty universal in the sense that there was the score ones, which just encourage you to get better. Um, you know, there's usually some sort of interaction with the environment. So, you know, knocking over boxes in the warehouse and then grinding the lunch tables in the school like they were teaching you how to use the environment like and i just always you know i always think this said you know this is the first time i'm ever saying this but tony hawk in terms of level design is so tight in that it really teaches you how to get better in a way that doesn't feel like grindy or overly repetitive like i don't feel like the game ever really has a really steep learning curve. I think it's actually pretty intuitive because especially in the scores, if you're good at the game, like, you know, if you have the muscle memory like me and you have, you drop into the warehouse and you hit all the score challenges really quickly. Because you're good. Like once you have that kind of flow of Tony Hawk and once you feel good with it, it really does flow. Popping off yeah, like a 40,000 point combo is nothing. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. You don't even and they're not even asking you to do like a fifteen thousand point combo. They just won fifteen thousand points. They don't care how you get there. But that should but, be your goal to get it in one trick. Yeah, I mean in Tony Hawk one, that's not really feasible. That's not until you get like man Tony Hawk three when you get manuals and reverts, so then you just keep the combos going like endlessly. Yes. Like yes. Being then, able to yeah, manual especially is what completely changes that game because you can grind into a manual and just kind of keep yourself moving and comboing and doing air tricks into grinds into manuals infinitely. Yeah, no, it's definitely a different beast, but um No, then that warehouse level especially, like, it's a very intuitive flow where you never feel like you're lost. And even if they're asking you to do things that are somewhat esoteric, like, you know, even by 1999, VHS tapes were dead, like, as a medium. Like, I movies might have been releasing new VHS tapes, but no one was buying them. We had really moved over to DVDs by that point. So, the like, the the tape thing though and like modern culture may not have had this at this point but it was definitely helping to paint that picture it was very much a skate culture relic oh, it was thing definitely that yeah pirate were filming each other and then putting it and you know copying it distributing it like it, it even even with more modern technology i remember just with skate culture there was um a skate video is mullen versus song 2 I think it actually came with the DVD and then came with a fake bootleg to give to someone. And the bootleg was someone standing in the crowd at a screening of the film, recording it on a handheld camera. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. No. So skate culture thrived on that whole like tape trading and stuff like that. So that's definitely what it's referencing. I mean, we see other references to skate culture with, um, you know, the police officer character in the game, Officer Dick. Yeah, the uh, not the only secret character in no, uh, Tony Hawk God. 1, but the least troubling one. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, the, yeah, well, you know, Officer Dick representing, you know, every cop out there who is enforcing the no skateboarding signs you would see at every bank, every park, everything with a ledge that skaters would congregate at. The uh the the skate era of my life, which very much was ushered in by Tony Hawk being my exposure to skate culture and getting me interested in actually skateboarding for a number of years. Um, that is the time in my life when I stole the most street signs. You stole the most street signs. I there I I have so many street signs. Uh, you in absolute my possession. delinquent. Yeah. Uh. Well, you can't go above fifteen miles per hour in this office. I I have seen that sign. Yeah. Um. <laughs> While we're on that note, before we get into more secret character stuff, um, I will just give us the original roster for Tony Hawk 1, which was a uh, pretty pretty small but pretty good collection here. So the first Tony Hawk uh, came complete with a playable Bob Burnquist, Kareem Campbell, Rune Glifberg, Tony Hawk, Bucky Lasik, Chad Muska, Andrew Reynolds, Jeff Rowley, uh, Elisa Steamer, and Jamie Thomas, as well as the secret officer Dick. And then do you want to tell us who the second uh, secret character in Tony Hawk 1 was so I can cringe? Private Carrera, who you could only access through a cheat. Officer Dick, if I remember correctly, you were actually able to unlock. Whereas Private Carrera, you access by starting a game in any mode with Officer Dick. This is from GameFAQs, by the way. 
pause the game, hold L1, and press triangle, up, triangle, up, circle, up, left, triangle, then exit and return to the character select screen. And though, and the things about Private Carrera, this is from the Tony Hawk's Games Wiki from Fandom. Um, according to the original game, she is from Fort Worth, so I guess it's Dallas-Fort Worth, and her age is listed as barely legal. I hate this so much. <laughs> Yeah, um, in Tony Hawk 2, her second outfit was actually a bathing suit. Of course it was. And in her bio from Tony Hawk 2, Army Brat Private Carrera is ready for action. If it's hard, dot, 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 like skateboarding, she's on it. Oh, God. Um, She is the creator, according to this bio, of the Ho 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 and Somi Spin. She is always ready for some stiff competition. If this reads as creepy, it should. It's and because that means it you're is. A functioning an adult. <laughs> it's because a it is. Person. Yeah, yeah. In the year 2022. Yeah. Uh, not as an age grade. I'm sure this was getting a lot of laughs around the office in 1999. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. They're uh, like, oh, we're so edgy. Yeah. I so, mean, just look at their company name, Neversoft. They make some pretty good Spider-Man games. Yes, not to be confused with their other company, Always Hard. Which is now a defunct company. Sorry to tell you guys. Um, yeah, there were a bunch yeah, of other... I don't think they could get away with making a company called Neversoft again. No, I don't think so. I do not think so. Um, I mean, the, it was software. Only if they were sponsored by 4 hymns. I feel personally attacked. Um... <laughs> so yeah uh pro skater was laden with cheats i don't remember engaging with them in the first one a ton but there's like a big head mode and stuff like that you had listed off a few before we started here yeah this basic stuff level select uh raise all your stats to 10 which is the max normally in the game but then there was also a cheat to raise all the stats to 13 why not 11 why wouldn't it be a spinal tap reference i don't think we were really reference heavy yet Oh, yeah, we weren't, we weren't ready to make a Spinal Tap joke in this skateboarding video game. Probably not. I mean, the one that we talked about before recording that we just don't like because it reminds us of Skinny Mario is Skinny Skater. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. That's a war crime. Also, you could toggle the blood on and off. It had its own blood code, a la Genesis Mortal Kombat. Sure. Perfect. Perfect. It, it did have a turbo mode. It had uh, This one is actually interesting. This one I didn't know about. I kind of want to play around with this one. Random start locations. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if it's every time you fall or every time you start a new run if you're in a different spot. Either way, that would be kind of interesting, especially on some of those downhill levels like the mall or Arizona. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting idea. Actually, it would probably make Arizona suck even more. Arizona is fucking terrible. It's the worst level in the game. Why mince words about it? It is the worst. Okay, so maybe we should talk about this. So, so we mentioned before that the levels are goal-oriented. So you're doing a bunch of things, but then there's two levels. The mall, which is kind of innocuous because it has like plateau points where you can kind of stay on a flat area. It has multiple, at least Yeah, it has three. like Yeah, it's like downhill, level, downhill, level. Whereas... They have an Arizona level later on in the game. It might be like the second to last level, like the third to last level. It's a straight up and they call it downhill jam, I think. Yes, it is just a straight shot downhill. And you're trying to do these goals 
while gravity is working against you in a way that the other levels don't engage with at all yeah yeah it's just it's by far the worst and like you have to hit some tricky jumps and the jumping isn't as intuitive as they would get to in later games i I get why stuff like this exists because um they were trying something different trying to shake it up like they were experimenting and this stuff just didn't work and downhill jams were a part of skateboarding but they were generally races yeah like it was almost like street losing and the other, I mean, a- apart from those, the other level shakeup would be there were also skate competition levels. Those are um, my favorite ones. By th- far. Those are really fun. They're just purely heat based. You got in multiple heats and try and get the highest score you can to place in a skate competition. Yeah. And you were scored kind of like an Olympic style, like you get points deducted if you fell. It also it scored you higher if you had a high variety of tricks. So, you know, some of the tricks like so tricks are split up between like grabs and kickflip and kick tricks the grabs would get you more points and some were easier to land than others. But like, I remember one, for instance, that was always easy to land the Benihana. Mm-hmm. If all you did was that you had actually had diminishing returns and points. And also in those competition levels, the game would ding you for being repetitive. Yeah. It was, if you didn't shake things up enough, you're, you would stop really getting points back for them. Um, I feel like in later games, skin competitions sort of become even easier just because, once the manual is introduced, like we talked about earlier, it gets real easy to shake up your sort of um, variety of uh, street tricks as opposed to like heavily relying on vert for high points. Yeah, I, and the funny thing is those games kept on going where they kept on introducing things to keep combos going. So like one, your combo pretty much ended with once you landed from your grind or once you landed from an air trick, like stringing together a long thing wasn't really going to happen unless you found yourself on like, you know, something round. And I don't remember if there really was anything round. Um, two gave you the manual. Three gave you two important things. It gave you the revert and the spine transfer. And then Tony Hawk's underground one actually gave you a move also because to keep combos going, you can manual in the other games, but if you lost speed, you could just be standing still. Yeah. Tony Hawk's Underground 1 introduced the spacewalk, where if you press left, right, square, you'd start, like, swaying, and you got moving again in the manual. Yeah, you could sort of create yourself, create momentum for yourself. Yeah, so they did. They worked on, throughout the series, of ways to just keep you moving, because it's almost like this game... Like, and I just actually just thought of this, like... This is not this is actually an original thought, not from the first recording. It's almost like Sonic the Hedgehog, where when the game's not in motion, it really feels like it's messing up. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, yeah, the, the the point is it wants to keep you moving and moving through this stuff fast. That's why you have only like kind of these two minute heats, um, not like 100 percent similar to Sonic the Hedgehog, but to, definitely the same idea of if you stop in a Sonic the Hedgehog game, it's not fun. Like, you, you, you want to constantly be in motion. Oh, and even when I was playing the game to get ready for this, um, when I was in the first competition, I knew what I wanted to do at the start. And if I screwed it up and fell, instead of just rolling with it, I just restarted the competition immediately. Yeah, I do the 100% the same thing. Like and it- that's a testament to the game, because also... You know, PlayStation games being like the first generation of CD based games, sometimes the load times can be horrific. But this but game I would do was the same actually. Way. What? 
but I would do be I'd be willing to do that anyway because you'd get to the point where like I just like tanked a fifteen thousand point combo. Yeah, but it's t- a testament to this game that the loading was quick enough to where it didn't feel like onerous. Because you probably could recover, especially in like the first competition where the grading is easy enough to where if you still pull off like a good combo, you're still going to get like a 97 to 98 and you're going to win. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice that the game, I never felt too punished for screwing up in Tony Hawk, but it's one of those games that also you want to practice and get better at just because it has that loop where it's so satisfying. Yeah, this game would have absolutely been killed by longer load times. It's a, a funny thing to think because I think now we're even more judgmental of that stuff. Um, well, I keep on thinking of Super Meat Boy because Super Meat Boy really is a game that you're meant to die constantly. And if you had to wait all the time for the game to reload, it would suck. Yeah, you'd lose that sort of mental momentum that's keeping you with the all right, one more run, one more run mentality. Yeah, and you know what? Unlike Super Meat Boy, which, you know, is more of a standard type video game, Tony Hawk was also unique. And I feel like something that kept the momentum going, and I'm sure you want to talk about this in depth, is the soundtrack of the game. Yeah, that's where I was going to try and lead us to next, because somehow we've gotten almost a half an hour in without even mentioning the music, um, which is monumental, uh, not just because it I think, and and we definitely talked about this when we originally did this recording that's now lost, um, I think it's probably the first time a video game has a soundtrack that's just, like, sourced music from other places. That's not, yeah, licensed like, music. Yeah. Um, and also kind of hit at the right time that I think it largely shaped a lot of my taste in music. Largely shaped a lot of mine, too. And I, th- you know, what were, so- what were some bands that you found out about because of Tony Hawk. Not even just the first one, but just in general. Um, Primus comes to mind. Like, I got really into Primus after hearing that fucking riff from Jerry was a race car driver a million say, times. It wasn't the South Park theme that got you into Primus? It was not. You know, like, that slaps, and I get it. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't the one that pulled me in the door. Okay. Um, no, I can tell you right now, like I already knew about Goldfinger and there's mm-hmm. that song in Tony Hawk one is absolutely amazing. And their yes. song in Tony Hawk four is also good. Spokesman mm-hmm. two got me into bad religion. Yes. Three. I couldn't remember last time, but three definitely got me into, um, body jar. Sure. And, uh, cause I think that song, not the same is amazing. Also CKY had a track in that game, which I forgot about. AFI had a track in that game. CKY the band Chili that- peppers mostly uh got people in via skate videos yeah and you know what though but that that's how that's how authentic the games felt too like they were cky and you know eventually for worse or for worse these games got banned margera yeah i mean we wouldn't have a playable phil margera in tony hawks underground too that's probably the only good thing from Bam margera coming in is to get playable phil margera yeah a tortured man phil margera um yeah, but no, even Tony Hawk 4 introduced me to Flogging Molly, Thug 1 introduced me to Rise Against. No, it's yeah, these... there's examples all over the board, and... I think we can kind of segue this into while still talking about the music. Um, Part of what makes these games so great is um, 
how much influence Tony Hawk in particular and the skaters he would bring in to be in the roster kind of had over the games. Like, it would have been easy enough for Neversoft and Activision to, you know, offer Tony Hawk this opportunity, which is, um, the game was playable before Tony Hawk's name was attached. Like, he came in to play it and was kind of like, hey, this is actually impressive. Like, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, put my name on this because at the time there was no real... Um, and, and a lot of this is uh, going to be cited from you and I both watched the documentary about this, uh, pretending yeah. I'm Superman, the Tony Hawk yeah. video game story, where like at, at that time th- there was no, nobody was famous for skateboarding. Um, Tony Hawk would kind of be that person, like the John Madden of the franchise that they were going to put his name on it and get all these skaters involved. And I, I, I don't know how often stuff like this really would even happen in the modern day, but the fact that they actually like really took his input and listened to what he had to say about skateboarding and what would make it look and sound authentic. Um, well, I hey, think if you really want to hear about this. authentic, I mean, it was just announced that machine gun Kelly will not only be producing the music for WWE 2K 22, he will also be a playable character. So if you want, you want to talk about authentic machine gun Kelly, Pete Davidson is going to be in WWE. <laughs> Well, if they had Pete Davidson and Kanye West, then maybe. Well, I mean, I'm obviously going to create both of those characters and just have them fight. And yeah, it's the only it's the only way. But yeah, no, to what you were saying, there was no such thing as a mainstream skateboarder. There was like there were popular skateboarders among skateboarders. And that was it. Yeah, that was was kind of it. Um, Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, do you see so and so's tape? Oh, do you see, you know, what? this person did at this spot it wasn't you know tony hawk became this ambassador for skateboarding as a sport as a brand i mean you know he's on nickelodeon kid choice awards he was on the simpsons he you know well he that's blew the up thing by the time this is all over tony hawk would become a household name and that's kind of crazy in terms of where skateboarding was at in the 90s and the crazy thing is he still is yeah yeah I mean, he could have most sports stars, like especially the stars themselves, like we equate him to John Madden, but John Madden was a coach. So, you know, John Madden wasn't out there, you know, getting his ass kicked on the football field. Yes, correct. Whereas Tony Hawk, like I can't imagine what an x-ray of his knees looks like. uh, He's got to be doing something right because the guy's still skateboarding now. Oh, yeah. No, he's still skateboarding, which is fantastic. But, you know, you always see him in his videos you know, even in the games, he's wearing like pads and a helmet. Like he's actually pretty safe while doing it. But to have like such a long career where you're able to keep going like that, that's impressive because he's 50 something. Yeah. And he uh, actually talked about a lot in that documentary, which another big point of this game and why it looks and feels so smooth is uh, how heavily they used mocap. And yeah. a lot of that motion capture was done by Tony Hawk in that mocap suit with the ping pong balls you see all over it. Of him and skateboarding. And he brought up he couldn't wear his pads. Yeah, they, he could have no protective gear on to do mocap. And what has to probably be the most terrifying experience of that man's life is them being like, okay, do a 900. Yeah, do a 900. Do do a lot of these moves. Like, you know, especially if you're used to protecting yourself like that. You know, talk about other extreme sports stars like Matt Hoffman, the BMX biker. He was famous for um, getting rid of the brakes on his bike because he didn't want to feel too safe. Yeah, which is just kind of an insane thought. Yeah, but, you know, that's 
that's got to be scary to do, you know, because especially someone like him, he's a vert skater. Like, you know, he's going, you know, 9, 10, 11 feet up in the air, coming down hard with these. At the time, I have no doubt mocap suits were probably pretty expensive. And oh, also yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. Balls could not feel good. With no padding right on this, like, solid fucking half pipe. Um, sounds like a terrible experience, but, you know, he was a young dude and probably one hell of a fucking trooper doing this. And little did he know he was about to become, like, the most famous person in the world for his sport. Yeah, I mean, because look at this. This game, you know, and they bring it up in the documentary. This game sold well pretty much immediately. And I have to say, a lot of it has to be on the strength of the demo. And then also, it's a time and place thing. Like, it's, they wanted to push skateboarding, and it seemed like, you know, the world was kind of ready for it. The X Games were happening a few short months before the release of the game. Uh, Tony Hawk did a 900 of the X Games for the first time. Uh, they even talk about in that documentary how Tony like got off that ramp and called Neversoft to be like, "We need to put this in the game," and they were like, "Yeah, no, we're we're already we're working on it right now." And that's worth mentioning too. I want to bring this up: uh, the company that made it, Neversoft, they weren't just some company that was just you know oh we're gonna make a skateboarding game let's go to the office we're all wearing you know our shirts and ties these people became skateboarders like you see it in the videos that are included in each game um something that's worth mentioning there are videos in the game like when you beat the game with a skater you get a video for them you could also get videos of people bailing or falling all the time but another thing you also get are the neversoft employees skateboarding yeah, they had quarter pipes in the office. They had like ledges and rails, and they were practicing. Like, they let their office culture be influenced by this title. Yeah the uh, the only other th- thing I ever think of being like weirdly almost kind of in the same ballpark is like when I think of studios like Harmonix, where it's like a bunch of those people were musicians working on those games. Yeah, but I almost feel like that was they were already musicians. Oh, no. Yeah, that that's different in that sense. Like these guys learned the sport because they thought they would have a better understanding of animating and coding that stuff. And this I, to their credit, they were definitely right about that. This would have been more like if in like the early 2000s, the people who worked at Natsume on Harvest Moon games decided to start to being become farmers. farmers. <laughs> like they're just planting tomatoes out back. Yeah, but like actual farms, not just some like dumb little garden, but they're like, yo, I'm doing not, this. Not some rooftop. I'm just going for it, you know? Yeah, I'm going to Valley this shit. Yeah, it's like uh, Miyazaki was making Dark Souls and he decided to create his own poison bog. See? Well, he became a supervillain that day. Yeah, he became, he became a real supervillain. Um, what a great move for him. Yeah. Um, should we talk a little bit about the many ports? Uh, most of them I don't like so much. Yeah, first let's talk about the one that actually sounds interesting that I still haven't played that I kind of want to, the Game Boy Color one? Yeah, okay, so uh, in 2000 we start getting a few ports. The, the Game Boy Color one is not um, really a port because it's the Game Boy Color. It doesn't have the same... Uh, idea as the ps1 i have a few notes no, but on this here. one had some cool ideas oh like, yeah yeah it, it i played I, I couldn't find a playable rom i'm sure i could if i really tried so i watched some videos of this um so let's see here uh game boy color it was a three-dimensional and highly interactive game on console so of course the game boy had to throw all that away so it's a two-dimensional game um 
and it has a lot less moves. And basically, there's two gameplay modes in this. There's half-pipe mode and tournament mode. Um, half-pipe is pretty simple. It's run-based. You go in, you're going back and forth on a half-pipe, trying to do as many tricks as possible. Tournament mode had two options of play, which is um, you can race three computer players down a ramp. So more comparable to like those downhill levels, but more like an actual downhill jam. Like it was a yeah, race based thing. People. Yeah. Um, and it was a series of five stages you would do. And then there was also a versus mode uh, where the player races. You can either race only one other, um, you know, sort of ghost computer player, or you can connect via link cable and race a second uh, person who has the game. This sounds like one of those games. It, it sounds like it has actually some original ideas, which, you know, I couldn't even imagine what uh, an attempt to make a actual Tony Hawk-like on a Game Boy Color would look. But it also sounds like one of those games that it's like, it was only made because they had to make a Game Boy version of the game. Like, it's like someone told them, you, you know, this... Uh, it, it was you know. selling so well that it, it kind of had to happen. Do we know who developed that game? Because I doubt it was Neversoft. Let me, um... You can talk about it maybe. Let me see what I can find out here. Yeah, while Rich is looking that up, um, let's talk about the absolutely atrocious Nintendo 64 port of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, one of the things we... No, it was, uh, so special was developed by Neversoft. It was developed by multiple studios. It was developed by Neversoft. Uh, wait, no, hold on, no. Sorry, getting wrong information okay. here. No, good. Hmm. It looks like Neversoft may have had some hand in this, but there's a... The thing is, it's hard during this time of development to find out if they ever even really touched that version. Yeah, they might have outsourced it. You also have things like some... Treyarch touched it a little bit of it. Uh, Treyarch, Na really? Natsume, IdeaWorks. Wait, Natsume? Yeah. Natsume is credited with some development on Tony Hawk, and I would bet you they probably handled some of the Game Boy stuff. I was going to say, was it like one person at each studio? I can't imagine it was a huge team making the Game Boy Color version of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah, I, if anything, I would bet you the Triarch and IdeaWorks probably had more to do with backing up uh, Neversoft with the main release. Yeah. And I would bet you that Natsume probably handled that Game Boy Color version. Yeah, because also I feel like... A, company like natsume at the time especially is it weird this is the second time natsume has come up on this podcast and the first time was not because they worked on the game yeah yeah that's it yeah within like two minutes of each other but yeah let's get back to the n64 version um one of the things that makes tony hawk special on the playstation the first playstation was the music and that was really only possible because it was on a cd and the way cds handle audio compared to cartridges now, since the Nintendo 64 was still on a cartridge, the music sounded a lot worse on the N64 version. Yeah. And they couldn't even play the bits of video that would be playing in the stages on the PlayStation version. Like the music videos for like Goldfinger Superman would be playing in the PlayStation version. I just don't think they could do that at all in the N64 one. Yeah. I and don't... also that controller... The, the controller is the biggest hang-up for me, but, like, I played so little of that version that uh, the other things would have been a more glaring concern. But the idea of playing that game on an N64 controller is an absolute fucking nightmare. 
Yeah, it's hardly the ideal. Unlike other ports like Resident Evil 2, Doom, Hexen, Mega Man Legends, these are all games that are optimized. <laughs> these for are the all N64. of the. It, it's the only way to play them is the N64. If you're doing it any other way, you're an idiot. Yeah, if you're out there playing Hexen, it's definitely the N64 version. <laughs> That's what I always say. That's it's what I'm my always ride or die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I love playing Goldeneye with two controllers. Yeah, oh, yeah, we brought this up. Like, I didn't even know you could do it with two controllers. Oh, you didn't know about that. I bring it up anytime I can. Yeah, you could plug in two controllers and play as one, uh, one person. Uh, so you See, can you play bring with that dual up, thumbsticks. And I, my, my example always is Star Wars Episode One Racer because they can imitate the throttles of a pod yeah, racer. Yes, but the thing you're describing is cool. The thing I'm describing is the stupidest bullshit ever, which is why I bring it up. Yeah. Yeah, my my what my game actually makes the gameplay better. Yeah, mine makes it considerably worse. It's awesome. Okay, so let's bring up the other ones. Uh, Tony Hawk One also came to the Dreamcast, and the Dreamcast obviously being a superior system. That's just it's just so much more powerful than a PlayStation. It can handle so much more. The graphics are smooth. I didn't play a ton of the Dreamcast version. Like the awkwardness of the Dreamcast controller is really the under only thing I understand is being like a slight hang up. But beyond that, it seems like it is genuinely a better version. Yeah, it's genuinely a better version because it's a smoother system. It's, you know, it was very powerful by comparison, you know, and the music could sound even better because you could have it at a better quality. So, no, besides that controller, it really was the better version. And then the original Xbox got a version that was Tony Hawk 1 and 2 put together. Yes. And that was also a good version. And like most Xbox games, once the Series S controller came out, it was a lot more playable. Because I don't have the hands of a giant. Who Who would? whoever clearly invented that thing whoever designed the duke they, that, they had, it was they were designed by a man named duke who's dead now yes or you know someone named like bjorn from like finland a giant nine feet tall. named duke who came from who came from the clouds yeah no it's no and in general like the xbox and i always remember this with original xbox games because i remember playing like the playstation 2 version of spider-man 2 the movie the game and then trying the Xbox version and they played very similarly, but then the Xbox just being a more powerful system was able to add these little f- graphical flourishes and you see the same thing with Tony Hawk. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's less about it purely being, um, it, the PlayStation one is not like bad by comparison, but it makes the Dreamcast one feel like the definitive one. Yeah, no, if you were able to play the Dreamcast version with a PS controller, that would be the best version of that game. Well, through the magic of emulation. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but it's, yes, nowadays that is definitely that, that, not That a exact thing is literally possible. But um, as long as we're on ports, uh, we could talk about the most recent one, which is kind of the definitive way to play. No, we're skipping one. I don't want to talk about that one, but go ahead. We have to talk about Tony Hawk HD. We are gaming historians here. Yeah, we you're have to right. talk about. Tony Hawk HD. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about Tony Hawk HD. Yeah. Tony Hawk HD is it? Well, you know what? And I, I still have to give it its props. It looked right. Like they redid all those levels. They redid the looks for all those skaters. The look was correct, but everything else was horrible. Yeah. Like, it just the feels soundtracks. Off. The soundtrack was not right. They couldn't renew enough of the music contracts. Um, and the feel of it was just horrific. 
Yeah. Everything had a latency issue, which for a game like Tony Hawk is unacceptable, especially if you're used to playing it on the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 2 or any system at that point, which, you know, the controllers were wired unless you bought some weird third party thing. You know, was like the Wavebird like the first like official wireless controller? To my knowledge. Yeah, I mean, and that was a cool Nintendo controller, but when it comes to, t- you know, again, a wired controller having no latency, and then you move on to the Xbox 360, and all of a sudden, like, your Ollie doesn't feel right, and that game really is, like, you know, we are talking about the difference from going into the demo from then when the game came out. That game is all about muscle memory. It's about building muscle memory. It's about keeping it. You know, I could turn on that game right now, the original one, and I'll I will hit every goal in the first level in the first run. You know, that muscle yeah. memory does not go away. The feel of the of Tony Hawk HD is like you're misremembering something. Like yeah, it's you're like, back in your childhood but something's not quite right. Yeah, it's it's like it's somehow like Mandela affects you. You're just like, "Wait, is this how always how it felt?" And Wait, it turns out did the Tony Hawk no. suck. But yeah, it didn't. Did t- it was good. Was this a bad game? No. It turns out it was a great game, and this version sucks. Yeah. This version's absolutely terrible. Um, and that was, like, the most updated version for years until very recently. Um, yeah. What was got, that, 2019? That was 20, 2020. 2020? Oh, okay. 2020, we get Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remastered for, you know, what are what was then the modern systems. Yeah. And we then got an upgrade later on to the, the PS five, the, the modern Xbox series, vanilla or whatever the fuck it's called. The Xbox family of consoles, the Xbox family of cock holds, um, Phil, Phil Spencer's kids, Phil Spencer's children. Yeah. Uh, the, I don't know if he actually has kids, but now the, the Xboxes are his the, kids. The Koopalings. <laughs> um, yes. that's their official name. Uh, I think he actually officially adopted the battle toads. That's true. Actually, Zit Rash and Pimple are his legal children. They seem As, awful to have also, his kids. Also, Voodoo Vince. That's better. Is it though? Um, yeah. So this version is downright amazing. I'll say. Um, yeah, Vicarious Visions. Who was rewarded by having their company destroyed? Yeah, they nailed this so hard they needed a cigarette afterwards. Like, yeah, 100%. Uh, looks amazing. Has not only the intact original soundtrack, but has expanded upon it. Um, it, you know, keeps the original rosters, expands the rosters, includes new skaters. Yeah, new skaters like Tony Hawk's son, Riley. Yeah, but most importantly, it feels correct. Yeah. And that's like, the, the the big important thing is that it feels how you remember and just looks better. And that's even more of an amazing feat because, again, we still live in an era of wireless controllers. So to nail that feel, despite the fact that you're you're literally using a different technology, that is impressive. It's incredibly impressive. And the other really smart choice they made with this, these versions of the games, and I didn't play enough HD to tell you if they tried to do this here as well, is... Um, they took ideas that weren't introduced until Tony Hawk three and four, like reverts and spine transfers and um, all the manual tricks and all the manual. Like yeah. Pogos, stuff like that. And you can go into the settings and turn it on. So you only have like tricks uh, available that were in the original two. If you're des- if you are in search of that purely authentic experience, but they having that stuff at your disposal only adds to how good this game feels to play. 
Yeah, and you know what? What's to its again to the level designers' credit for the first game, nothing about those added things because they really didn't change the levels like layout wise. Obviously, they get the graphical overhaul. They add more details, more effects. But I think there's a few more goals in every level too. Yeah, but even though the the structure of those levels are the same, so the fact is that I'm able to drop into the Minnesota level of Tony Minnesota. Hawk One. Yeah, yes, that that is how they talk. <laughs> they're, um, they're so silly. Yeah, take that, people who work at Game Informer. Take that, nice people. Yes. Uh, take that Marshall from How I Met Your Mother, which is not that great of a show upon rewatch. It's only okay. Yes. Uh, no, but the fact that you can manual and do all these tricks and you do, you have the spine transfers, you have the reverts, like they felt natural, almost like, again, like playing with your memory, but in a good way. It's almost the opposite of Tony Hawk HD, where it's just like, did this game actually suck? Where you're like, wait, was this always in the second game? Or is this always in the first game? No, this one feels like more it could have been. So hit you with being like, this is even better than I remember. Yeah, it's if anything, that's a lo- like that's something that's almost never served up to us when we're given a sort of thing that's not a wild departure. Because you think about something like say Final Fantasy VII remake, it's such a wild departure from the original. It almost cannot be judged against the original. Whereas yeah. this feels- game. Like a Final Fantasy VII remake feels more like those two games were adapted from the same book. <laughs> yes, actually, that's a really good way of putting it. No, but this game, you know, they clearly took the original two as gospel, but then they weren't afraid to introduce new chapters to that gospel. Yeah, and it <laughs> worked out for that. It like it had no business being so good. Like it really had no business and also like vicarious visions is a proven studio with remakes but remakes in the strictest sense of we are taking this template and we are really not altering anything whereas this is just such a radical reimagining and updating and they kept like little thematic touches like you can unlock skins of the skaters when they were younger at the time of the games but by default if you're playing as tony hawk in this new one it is 50 year old tony hawk yeah and he looks old you know rodney mullen looks old steve caballero is ancient like yeah but that's it's cool to have that to have that like authentic experience because all those guys like it it doesn't feel weird that they look that way because all those guys are still skateboarding for the most part yeah i think yeah with some very few exceptions like some of them you know the common thing i think for skaters back then was you know back in the 80s and 90s once you get too hurt to really skate yourself anymore and try to make money off of it you open up a skate shop you work at a skate shop you yeah make like you know a company that designs brand or something yeah you you start you start selling equipment to other people and try and advance the medium and Tony Hawk is the most extreme example of that, of like with Birdhouse and, you know, having the now, you know, brand recognition to really blow that stuff up. And no, and it's worth knowing, like you brought up Riley Hawk before. Riley Hawk is in this new game. And even though he is Tony Hawk's son and you would think that would cast a very long shadow, Riley Hawk is an amazing skater in his own right. And really, I'm not a skater, never was, never will be, but I know plenty of skaters. And from what I understand, he has stepped out of his father's shadow. Like he is his own skater in a very positive way. I'm not quite as plugged into that community as I was at one point, but like 
that is what I understand to be the truth. Like he, uh, you're always going to have that shadow of, you know, your Tony Hawk son, but like he's more than proven himself as far as I can tell. No. And I mean, okay, so let's get into it though with in, especially with this remake being so good, it kind of brings full circle what this game did for gaming culture, but then also just as importantly, skateboarding culture. Yeah. I think more importantly, in a lot of respects, um, because it brought skateboarding into the public eye. Um, you talk about how much money this game raked in and one of the best, probably the best single best business decision Tony Hawk would say he'd ever made in his life is uh, shortly after the release, they tried to offer him like a buyout um, in exchange half for his res- half a million dollars in ex- to give up his residuals. Uh, he decided to keep the residuals and within two years, he had made 10 times that. Yeah, like Activision wanted to Tom Clancy Tony Hawk. They wanted to buy the rights to the name in perpetuity. So they could dance on his grave well into the year 2056. Poor Tom Clancy. Rest in peace. I I guess. I, I guess. Know. I, I don't know. Maybe books. he sucked. I don't know Tom Clancy that yeah, well. Yeah, I, I never read any of his books. And honestly, yeah, I'm not. The most interesting I, Tom Clancy story is probably that whole scenario where like i think the fbi was investigating him because his descriptions of things were too real so they asked him to like write what he thought the like i think he listed the layout of like a top secret you know naval vessel inside one of his books and it was like way too accurate so they like arrested him and we're like, I never how heard it. This is actually super interesting. And they were like, how did you know this? And he's like, well, you know, looking at it from the outside and knowing how these sorts of ships are set up, I just sort of guessed. And his like blueprints were like dead on. Wow. Okay. And it was so, classified information. <laughs> I guess Ubisoft, you know, was really OK. That's that's a different talk altogether. I mean, I don't think either of us are really Tom Clancy aficionados. If we but... ever do an episode about Ghost Recon or something, I guess we could talk about that. I would, I, I'd probably do Splinter Cell. I would even just do the Tom Clancy name in terms of like what it means for Ubisoft. I mean, cause they're still using it. Dude's been yeah. dead forever. Yeah. But no, like Tony Hawk, like in terms of like skateboarding, it created a genre essentially, because after this, you get the Activision O2 brand, you get things like Matt Hoffman's pro BMX, you get Kelly Slater's pro surfer, you get Dave Mira's pro BMX, you get, all, you get all these games, you get Cool Borders, you get uh, Grind Session. You know, these games would, and even games today, like Ali Ali. That new Ali Ali just came out. Like, that game wouldn't exist without Tony Hawk. That game is great. Were you like, hey, do you think Tony Hawk and Super Mario World should be combined? With Danny Trejo? Yes. Yeah, I do. I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> that game's very good. Yeah, I, I kind of I want to try it. I never played much of the other two, but it's a skateboarding platformer and it looks like Adventure Time now. See, I'm I'm down for all that. But no, t- what Tony Hawk did, like Tony Hawk himself also, he became this, again, public figure, this brand ambassador, a sport ambassador. You know, he's someone who shows up at award shows and everyone's like, oh, hey, it's Tony Hawk. Whereas before that game came out, there were people who knew who he was, but they were already plugged into that skateboarding culture. He was by no means a celebrity. Yeah, and he, no one, you know, in Tony Hawk's day and age was getting into skateboarding to become a celebrity. Like, he, I'm sure he could never have predicted the trajectory his life would take. No, but also, and not to, again, I don't think the importance of this game could be understated. It created the next several generations of skateboarders. 
like you know kids got into skateboarding because of this game and and not only brought people into skateboarding like this game is in large part why i got into skateboarding and did so for a number of years and really enjoyed the people i met and the time i spent skateboarding and it just became a thing i did less and less of as i got older which happens with a lot of people but um another thing this documentary we watched covered really well which is um Tony Hawk is a pre arcadey game in a lot of respects, and you're doing a lot of crazy shit that real skateboarders could never really do. But a lot of kids grew up thinking some of these crazy transfers were just things you did when you were really good at skateboarding. And then they went on to go become skateboarders and do things that skaters thought were impossible back then. Well, I think even the example they give in that movie was like, oh, Crooked Grind 360 flip out. Like, yeah, no, it's simple in the game not simple in real life not at all and then people were just like oh yeah that's a thing you can do like no one even no one was really trying to do that because it just seemed impossible but then those kids went out they took up skateboarding and then they did it they pushed the sport forward because of the video game yeah which is not something you see a whole lot of no but also it's not you know it skateboarding games have that unique trajectory where they skateboarding became more popular because of the game it's not like for instance baseball you know baseball was already popular it was invented you know in the 1800s so you're not gonna invent like what was there's a baseball game on the super nintendo baseball simulator 2000 where you could the players could have powers like you could make it so an earthquake happens when the pitcher throws the ball. It's not like they introduced that into real baseball afterwards. God, they should have. <laughs> they should. I mean, Mutant League football <laughs> seems still, like it would be a fine there's sport. St- there's still life. time. Yes. I mean, essentially, that was just Barry Bonds juicing. He yeah, we could. We could there's still strikes. time to make baseball interesting. I mean, why why don't we have Mutant League football? I would love that. That sounds why great. Why don't we have Bill Lambeer's combat basketball? All NFL players should be required to take steroids. Well, no, that's okay. So, you know, well, like when you're watching football on like Fox and like they have the little robot when it comes back from commercial. Yeah. Why can't we just have a football league that's nothing but those robots, but for real? What you're saying is we should combine battle bots and the NFL. Yes. Great. I'm in. Yeah. It. But you know what? But, you know, and obviously this is not going to happen, but. Tony Hawk did though it created it created that wider culture and it did it pushed the sport forward because it is a sport that's really dictated by in part physical ability but then also in part creativity sure so the game showed off like oh maybe this is possible so these kids felt inspired to go do it and you even see they're just getting younger and younger nowadays a couple of years ago a 13 year old pulled off a 900 and you look at the, you know this happened last time we're glossing over this important part skateboarding is now an olympic sport yeah yeah it which is i mean at the time we were getting things like the x games but those weren't really finding their footing and it was cool that like the x games was on tv and, but it's an olympic sport now and you kind yeah, of it's those it's, malnourished people living in the olympic village banging like rabbits get to go out there and hit the half pipe I was going to say, what do you mean malnourished? Like, I think, what was I saw? Like, that swimmer Michael Phelps, he said he has to take it like 7,000 calories a day. No, I mean when they're at the Olympic Village. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're just given no food and free condoms. Yep. It's a bang fest, baby. <laughs> Sustain yourself on sweet tang. Oh, God. <laughs> Speaking about Private Carrera. Uh, yeah, another thing before, because I know we're probably moving to wrap up here a little bit. Um, I wanted to mention that we brought up when we did this the first time. 
and I do feel uh, it's important is because it was something covered in that documentary as well. Um, in in a, a sport that felt so weirdly closed off and foreign, like skateboarding at the time, uh, representation in these games was really important too. Um, yeah. and, and they'd get better and better with that as it went on. But, uh, like you have, uh, Alyssa Seamer in the main roster, the first one, which having a female skater is huge. That's awesome to show, you know, girls to go like, no, you, you can do this too. Like it may not seem that way. And people may tell you that girls don't fucking do that, but that's bullshit. Um, it's just so weird. It's a skateboard. It's a, it's literally yeah. a board with wheels. Why is this gendered off? Yeah. Be, because society makes no sense. And uh, Corinne Campbell also having an African-American skateboarder. Another big deal. And again, deal. it's a board with wheels. Why is it racially based? <laughs> it, no, it shouldn't be. But like, yeah. you know, there was this huge like mentality of most of the people you see skateboarding are like young white dudes. And if you are a black kid who is like, I would like to skateboard, there's no reason you should have to feel weird about that. No, and they again the documentary shows examples of women of black skaters being like, yeah, these games show like you know, and just in general when it comes to video games, like oh, I get to play someone that looks more like me because you know as amazing as a person as Tony Hawk seems to be, he looks you know, tall white dude, tall leggy white dude. He's you know, every every white man in America. So you know just to see someone that might look closer to your skin tone to see like you know and bob bernquist you know of being hispanic descent you know room glifberg is from i want to say sweden um, that's with a, with a name like that i would imagine yes jeff rally was brit well was is british i think so you know this did have like a multicultural it wasn't just american white dudes and i think that's important and it's nice to see that again it's been pushed forward you see more you know non-white skaters you see more non-male skaters you know some yeah. of the best skaters today are women absolutely like you said it starts small with having you know one female skater on the roster having one african-american skater on the roster but hey two women on the roster private career no uh, having one real woman on the roster uh, and one yeah, it's one, important to make these distinctions rich one sex doll we're historians yeah that's that's yeah it's a really good point um <laughs> look, look at my long history channel beard i was gonna yeah that is a really good point um and just you know like at the the time Tony himself had like a big say in the roster, the skaters that he thought were important. And the fact that he was choosing to highlight these people just shows you like, you know, he was picking the people he thought were awesome. And those were some of them. And that's, that's just really cool. He was picking the people that'd be awesome in them. He gave them input into the music choices. Like, you know, Activision was okay with this because, you know, Activision, again, always a cool company. No problems there. No, um, they're, they're totally cool. Nothing bad is happening there. Google it, Google it, Google it. Yeah, or, you know, Alta Vista it. I don't know. Um, what, yeah, Alta Vista. Why is everyone in this town using Alta Vista? <laughs> was it 1997? Uh, um, just 1999, actually, when this game came out. Yes. No, but this game really is, like, one of the more important games. And, you know, we talk about this with, you know, just about every episode, how important to the culture of Street Fighter 2, how important is Donkey Kong. I would say this one is important, not only in just a video game history standpoint, but like it pushed the whole freaking sport forward. Yeah, the, the history of the sport, it was 
a basically a simulation of like skateboarding video games became immensely more important and are some of my favorite games of all time because of this and it yeah, also got other... me interested in the sport itself and i did it actively skateboarding was a thing i did every day for almost 10 years yeah and other great games came out from this like the skate series plays nothing like tony hawk like you cannot go into playing skate going, well, I was really good at Tony Hawk, so I'm going to be good at this. They're going to suck at skate yeah. with that mentality. There are games like Session that take that in even a, a step even further. And then there are games like Ali Ali, which we talked about, which is a way more arcadey, way different thing, but definitely was a game made with love by people who love Tony Hawk games. And then you have games like BMX Triple X, truly the pinnacle of extreme sports games. I mean... If you wanted to ride a bike around and see some tits, it, it's, then there's, that's the best way to do it. That that that's boy, do I have a game for you? That's heaven, baby. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. That game is horseshit. Yeah, you should check it out right now. You're better off playing that Razor Scooter game. Oh, oh, Scoot. Is that what it was called? I think so. I played a bunch of that game. It's not good. Um, it's better than BMX Triple X. It also led into my joke during my skateboarding days of making fun of all the kids I would see doing razor scooter tricks all the time. Because I'd what? be like, how do you live with yourself? You know, how do you wake up in the morning? You're like, man, school was a killer today. Everybody's riding my ass. I just need to scoot. You know, they're throwing down some sick tail whips. You just see one of them whip it right into their own ankle. <laughs> wow, that's... <laughs> I feel bad that I laughed at that because I guarantee you there's like some 13 year old out there scooting right now because they're still a thing. We'd be like, get rid of the handle, nerd. Then it would just be a really thin skateboard. Yeah, their thing was dumber than their thing was dumber than our thing because it had a handle. And two less wheels. That's not enough wheels, we'd say. You have the wrong amount of wheels. Let's go play hoop and stick, guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fuck these scooter nerds. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I mean, normally we cap this off by asking, um, is this game important? But I think we both kind of answered that. It's immensely it's, important. But I, I, I just want to say, again, yeah, I can't stress it. It's so important. Like, And if you've never touched it, like that most recent release, I think is the definitive fucking version of, and not only definitive version of it, it was one of my favorite video games period of the year. It came out like, Oh yeah. Same it was here. in and like my, it was in my top five. I want to say for 2020, like go, go pick that up, go pick it up on your PlayStation five. If you're one of the six people like us who has one, yeah. Um, <laughs> or your, your Xbox new X-Fangled Xbox. Yeah. It's or also right. out on the switch. Oh yes, it is. And you know, PC, PC is a thing you can play it on your PC. Yeah. Also, if you're one of those like 18 year olds whose parents were old enough to play video games um, and there's just like a PS1 sitting in the attic and you happen upon a copy of Tony Hawk one and you decide to see what it was like to actually play that game, it still kind of holds up. It's pretty good still. Hell yeah, it does. Like Hell yeah, it does. Maybe that's my old person, you know, maybe it's my old person mentality saying it, but I was actually surprised. Yeah, that version of it is still real good. Like... There's more accessible versions now. Yeah, uh, and, but maybe if your only option to experience the old one is an N64, maybe don't play that one. Maybe just do anything else. Play Hexen. Hexen's cool. Not on the N64. You will. I, I think I, it goes without saying we're not talking about that. Yeah. Um. 
All right, so say we wrap this up. Let's wrap yeah, this up. We have up. some ketamine to snort. We have ketamine to snort. Ray, uh, what do you want to promote here? Where can people find your stuff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ray Knows Nothing. Also, you know, you can find the crap I write on Sword Chomp. I'm Ray McGill. Otherwise, you know, I don't need people finding me. There's already too many people after me. I owe people money and the or IRS for one. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at the Richmeister Zero. Also over at swordchomp.com where I am writing stuff. We are doing this show. I'm doing other podcasts. It's a great time. Uh, we'll be back in March where we are going to be talking about Kirby. Yes. Weaponize our hot little mouths. Kirby, Kirby and Tony Hawk, two of the most important people in video games. Ray, we've got a month to play Kirby. So let's get out of here. Uh, only a month. That game only is a so month. deep and rich and long. <laughs> so I need to get every star and save the Waddle Dees. I need to dig into the lore Bible. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, see ya. So long. <laughs>